0: You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones.
1: The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious.
0: And misery loves company.
1: But we don't have to live this way.
0: Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects to radicals and thought criminals.
1: The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse.
0: Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different.
1: History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid.
0: We are the Mad Ones.
1: So let's get to it.
0: Welcome to the Mad Ones. (laughs) I'm your bearded host, Cam Harless, and with me, as always, is the soupiest can you'll ever meet, Miss Jessica Green. Uh, This week... flattering. I know, I try so hard. (laughs) <laughs> this week, we have a guest returning for the hat trick, Wasatch Reporter, Red Hot Chili Prepper, and the fieriest cracker in the West, Miss Suzanne Sherman. How are Hello? you doing, Suzanne?
2: <laughs> System rejects. I am digging your new intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. That was, that was, how many days have I been working on that now? Just
1: three? Three? I would say it, maybe more than that, but you had like the finished product for like three, and then you refined it, like. Quality was really important here. And so I'm very impressed with the way that it turned out.
0: <laughs> Welcome back to the the show. First time with this name, Suzanne. I've I've missed you.
2: I've missed you too. I always <laughs> enjoy our, our time together, our little visits, because first of all, take zero preparation because you and I just talk. <laughs>
0: we always it's have true. a yes. <laughs> well, there's there's a lot going on right now, and uh because I, I asked you, I said, you know, what do you want to talk about? And you gave me a list. So that works out because right now, the the world, at least in the 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 West, seems to be going crazy because it's covered in snow, and Texans don't really do that.
2: It it, it just underscores the need for everybody to be prepared for uh, weather that might not be the norm. I do. As you know, I have a preparedness show called the Red Hot Chili Prepper. And one of my favorite people to interview is a guy named Arthur T. Bradley. And he he says that we live on the continental landmass with the most dangerous and extreme weather patterns. So regardless where you live, there is a reason to be prepared. I tell people, just choose your calamity. Earthquakes, I used to live in California. That's what got me mm-hmm. started in preparedness. Once I became a mom, I took it seriously. And uh, the snow, what's what's going on in Texas right now is that's, that's you know, four months out of the year in Utah. Uh, we've gotten clobbered this week. Um, no power, no problem. I've got a backup generator. I don't even use my furnace in the wintertime we get to 23 below. I've got a wood stove, a uh, propane stove here, and just you know, put in all new windows, doors, everything to prepare my place for uh, extreme extreme living if if it all comes to that where we don't have electricity. And this is something everybody should be ready for regardless of where you live.
0: That's something that I've actually heard a few times. Um, well, for one, uh, our friend Britt from the Freckles and Britt Show talked about how Uh, being, she's, she's been talking about how bad things are in California period, because her power is just being turned off to save the grid. Yeah. And she has a kid who is on insulin. And so it's like, you're putting a child's life in, in danger because you want to protect the grid. And so I I feel like I've heard, I forget who the other person was, but for many people, I've heard them say, you know, I lived in California I moved, and then I started prepping.
2: Well, I, I started actually before I left, but you know the the issues that they're having out there with the grid is nothing new. I left there almost eight years ago, and that was just situation normal out there Mm -hmm. especially during the heat storms in the summertime Uh, they'd go through the rolling blackouts and you would never know when it was coming you might get short notice but I didn't have a generator at the time and nobody was really ready when they'd have the power out everybody's running to the store to get their meals readily made and Mm -hmm. I just decided you know you're really at the mercy of whether or not the stores are going to be supplied, whether or not you can get to the stores, uh, and I just decided that I want to be more self-reliant, and I, I really believe that being prepared and uh, having food sovereignty, not having to go and rush out and get it at the last minute, makes you less reliant on the government and more resilient to the shenanigans that we're that we're seeing when the government now, you know, how many how many people are out of power because the wind turbines are frozen? You know, how many people yeah. are out of power because green energy is showing itself to be as effective as wearing masks to prevent a virus from spreading? So, you know, you know, government incompetence is nothing new, and it should be a major reason why people prepare. One of the things I say at events is, you know, if you're used to being dependent upon the government to save you and be it an ice storm, be it a hurricane or after an earthquake, you um, the greater and the more long term the calamity, the greater your disappointment is going to be because they simply cannot handle that many people. You know, I also had seen years ago, the ice storms in Maryland, and that was something that got me intrigued as well. People lining up for generators, people lining up for bottled water. When you go out in a situation like that, you're putting your safety at risk. There could be down power lines that you could drive over. Uh, There are some opportunists that will be out there to take advantage from people who are preoccupied. Their guard is down. They might see that you're going out of the house. Lights are out in the neighborhood. They might seize upon that opportunity. So, you know, not only does it make you more resilient with regards to any kind of shortages or supplies, but it also keeps you safer in the event that people seize upon the opportunity to better their own position at your expense. Yeah, that's absolutely right.
0: Well, I I was thinking about that because one of my thoughts when uh, I heard about all the stuff going on in, in California was, I know you're in Utah, so I'm like, I wonder, I know she's fine, but I wonder how things are there. There's also some, some pretty interesting stuff going on there legally with um, with guns. Um, But when I was thinking about that, I, for some reason I didn't think about the Mormons when I've talked to you about Utah before. And it made me think about, have I ever told you what one of my favorite pranks is? What? Okay. So it's, it's been, it's been shut down by the government due to COVID, but I'm a prankster. And one of my favorite pranks is to order someone some Mormons. I don't know if you know this, but if you go to the official LDS website, you can order a free uh, Book of Mormon, and you can request missionaries come and talk to you. Oh, and so, you and so, uh, this happened with two different people. Uh, one time, uh, I was when I was working at the leather store there were two girls that worked there and they decided to do like a bunch of fake some lies about me and another coworker because they wanted to get him fired. And they thought, Oh, well, you know, if I take, try to take cam down as well, that'll make it easier on me. Um, But then, so I couldn't retaliate and, you know, it would be bad for me to retaliate, but I decided, you know, what I could do is I could, um, I sent, I sent her a book of Mormon and then, she had it and she was like, I don't know why I got this in the mail. I've got this. I, I, I'm not a Mormon. I'm not interested in Mormonism, but they, they keep, they, they sent me this book and I was like, huh, that's interesting and giggled on the inside. But the kicker was when she came into work, just angry. And I was like, what, what's wrong? And she was like, they came to my house. And I was like, what? The Mormons, <laughs> the Mormons keep coming to my house. I had ordered the Mormons like two or three times at that point. And put in little notes, I've changed my mind. I would really like to talk to you. <laughs> and <laughs> I also happened... wrong, Cameron. Well, you know, I also did it to my uh, my wife's grandmother, <laughs> who is a very devout Catholic. And let me tell you, I was sitting in uh, my office working, and she comes in, and uh, or she was not in my office, but they were out there, and I hear her going, these Mormons, these Mormons... These Mormons like just so angry that a Mormon would knock on their door. So, when COVID is over and you want to screw with someone, order them some Mormons.
1: <laughs> I so I actually have an interesting, quick, really quick, interesting story about Mormons. Um, when I got my dog nine years ago, I bought a baby gate to put on the front porch so my dog couldn't run out into the street, and I noticed that when the we had Mormons that would come to our neighborhood every couple of weekends. They couldn't get past the baby gate and they would give up and walk away. So I put in my online review for the baby gate <laughs> that it also turns away Mormons. And something like 87 people clicked that they found that review useful. So there's, there are people purchasing this baby gate because it keeps out door knockers, which I think is kind of great. <laughs>
0: But, uh, yeah, I love ordering Mormons and it's, guys, <laughs> the Mormons are so funny, but one of the things that affects you was, um, I won't call it constitutional carry because I hate that phrasing with mm-hmm. all of me. And I, am sure you do, Suzanne, you, you do too, Suzanne, but they just passed permitless carry. And yes. I was curious where your head is on that. Is this, yeah,
2: are they using absolutely. the stupid
0: constitutional carry moniker?
2: Um, At some point, yeah, I think there was an article I shared on my show, the Wasatch Report, earlier this morning uh, about a rep from the NRA, ILA calling it, you know, constitutional carry and Second Amendment right to carry your firearm with you wherever you go. And uh, I dislike that language because it sets the, you know, it plants a seed in people's brains that don't know better that these rights are handed to us from the holy parchment. And mm-hmm. this was a mistake made by, you know, no less than Antonin Scalia, who in the celebrated case, you know, as it's, it's hailed as a victory for gun rights, and I, I say it's a disaster, was the Heller case. And what he does is, you know, the textualist, the originalist says that, you know, the Constitution says what it means. It means what it says. It's pretty simple. But he takes 63 pages to explain a one sentence amendment to the Constitution. And he still acts it up. So he asks what kind of guns are protected by the Second Amendment. And he goes on to say that handguns are protected. Well, we're seeing the fallout from that, because the ramification by that strict limitation is now we're looking at AR bans. You know, we had the AR ban during the Clinton administration. Now we're looking at another one. So, well, you know, Heller said it only covers handguns. And that's wrong. It covers the general government. people go oh, you could have a nuke does it say you could have a nuke doesn't say you could have anything it says that firearms and anything related to them are none of the business with of the federal government that's the point of the second amendment so when they say constitutional carry yeah i get a little bit irked i call it hermitless carry and yes spencer Cox, who was the uh lieutenant governor for gary herbert his predecessor um, Gary Herbert had actually vetoed this legislation when it came to his desk, and I expected no less from Spencer Cox. I did not think this was going to happen. So this is one small victory and a dystopian nightmare that we've been experiencing, you know, yeah. for Lord knows how long. So we'll see. Last year, also, uh, Gary Herbert vetoed um, civil asset forfeiture reform so i am hoping that that will make a return to our new governor's desk and he will take some action on that and i want to back up for a moment and just uh, give some quick clarification for my friends in the lds community i wouldn't be able to live here if it weren't for my neighbors uh, in the lds community they look Uh out for me i am not a member of the uh, latter-day saints church They don't treat me any differently. Uh, They are here looking out for me. They will plow my driveway if I get overwhelmed more than my tractor can handle. They take me out on hunts. They make sure that I have what I need when I'm here. I also did a show on Welfare Square, which is a massive worldwide, it's a headquarters for a worldwide charitable organization that helps people in need around the world. And uh, I was absolutely amazed by what they do there for people often much better than the United States government can do. So yeah, it's it's fun to crack on the Mormons, but um, uh, they make living here what it is. So I, I'm really grateful yeah. to them.
1: And to be fair, I would also like to say when I had my like prepper wake up experience, the LDS church has a website devoted to teaching people how to be prepared. And I relied heavily on that when I first began the journey. I lived in a downtown, major U.S. city, downtown area. We had a snowstorm in 2014 that dumped inches of ice on top of us. And we were much in the same boat that Texas is in right now. Like people were stranded. They had to go without their medications. Like it just was awful. And so I am seeing what's happening in Texas now and remembering my experience from six years ago And I'm like, you know, that changed the course of my life. And so I'm hoping that, you know, this is a huge wake up call for people. And if you want some useful information from people who know what they're doing, the LDS website is a great place to start. And so thank you,
2: uh, Mormon for that. We appreciate they actually, have two, they actually have two years supplies of equipment for the vehicles they use to deliver their goods uh, around the world. They break down, they'll get the equipment. It's, it's just a fascinating story. You know, uh, philosophically, it's, it's not my belief, but uh, I, I firmly believe that if most of the people uh, across this continental landmass had the values and the mindset of this community, we'd be a lot better off. We wouldn't be in the trouble we're in right now fair well,
0: enough. One of the things I wanted to back up and say though is um, you, you you're you talking about how the Second Amendment and talking about it as um, people will get the idea that that's where rights come from. right? And that was actually uh, I don't know if you know Monica Perez, but the last time she was on my show, uh, she we were talking about the Constitution a little bit and I was like, yeah, I used to talk a lot about the Constitution, but a lot of the people that I used to talk to wouldn't want me to and want to talk to me about that anymore. Because I'll say things like the Bill of Rights was a mistake. And, and she was like, wait, what? And I'm like, no, no. For, and for, it's for the reason you said. It to- tells people, a lot of stupid people, that their rights come from the Constitution and come from the government. Right. Okay. And that's not something I can... I mean, whether or not it was a good idea or practical, at this point in time, there are people who truly believe their rights come from the, the state. And I think that that's much more harmful... Than most other, the only more harmful lie, I think, is uh, we the people.
2: Right. That phrase by uh, Governor Morris that he inserted in there, I think, was just, and that was after the Constitution. That was, or that was, that had nothing to do with the ratification process. It was just kind of a statement of intent, but it is used as one of the, you know, elastic clauses, I would believe. Uh, to bring it beyond the scope of what it was ever intended. Again, going back to the firearms, you know I asked people who talk about their Second Amendment rights what rights do, to have firearms did people have before you know the Holy parchment was signed? I'm very derogatory towards the Constitution. Um, yeah. When I practice law and I wrote an article for the Abbeville Institute at the uh, behest of Don Livingston about the problem with lawyers and the Constitution. In fact, that's actually the title of it. And in in law school, we are taught nothing about natural rights. We are, in in my undergrad at UCLA, uh, political science, public law, never once was the preamble to the Bill of Rights ever brought up, never once in law school, never once in bar review. And if people understand that, they'll understand that the Bill of Rights was, never intended to apply to the states. It was simply a restriction upon the general government. But what we're taught in law school is we are taught to interpret what the Constitution means by attorneys. Attorneys uh, in in um, high places, I call them the black road messiahs. So we look to see what Politically connected lawyers uh, say that they think the Constitution means, but really what it's supposed to mean is what was consented to at the ratification conventions. So when you see yeah. stuff like uh, Antonin Scalia, do you think the people would have ratified? You know, the states, the people through their their state delegates would have ratified the Constitution if a mere if a mere flintlock pistol would ever be considered protected by it, not the muskets that were the exact same uh, use that the militia and the standing army had at the time. So, right. you know, this never would have happened. And we are taught to ignore the 10th Amendment in law school. And we're taught to embrace the 14th Amendment, which, as we know, incorporates the Bill of Rights uh, against, the, against the states. People think that, that they're protecting rights, but when you roll the dice with the highest court in the land, you're looking for nine often five out of the nine to tell what the law should be for everybody and i actually had a talk show radio host out here in the salt lake area say well you know we need the supreme court to tell us what the laws are no absolutely we don't because he said otherwise we'll have fighting in the streets so we have fighting on the streets precisely because of that we have zero representation left i don't care what side you're on left, right, whatever, nobody feels like they're being adequately represented right now, which is why everybody loses their freaking minds every four years. I was going to say, I think that has a lot to
1: do with the amount of money that they've centralized into one place too, because um, whatever representation is there is what controls that money. So whatever they put up as a, you know, totem of representation (laughs) is what is controlling that massive amount of four or $5 trillion that they take in in taxes every year. And so that's what people are actually losing their minds over,
2: who gets to control the, the kitty, so to speak. Yeah, I call it the $4 trillion pig trough. And one of the listeners did actually say, the, mentioned the supremacy clause. And when I remember in high school, I loved studying government. I loved the civics classes. And I specifically mm-hmm. remember our teacher telling us that, look, the supremacy clause means every federal law is supreme or supersedes every state law. And then he talked about, you know, we're going through the Bill of Rights. We get to the 10th Amendment. And they say, well, that's the police powers of the state. Well, that sounds reasonable. It sounds, you think about police, local activity. You know, think of the words that they use. But it's really so much more than the police powers of the states. You know, I think they said that the that everything not delegated would concern the inner workings, the socio. Um, the workings and the dynamics within those states. Those were beyond the purview of the general government, hence they were never delegated. Yet we see, thanks to the magic uh, amendment, the 14th amendment, that now somehow it's miraculously applying the Bill of Rights to the states. And I'm sitting there in class going, but what about the 10th amendment? And nobody asked that question. I'm sitting there thinking, I must be really stupid because this doesn't make sense to me. I'm reading the verbiage of the 14th Amendment. It doesn't say anything of the sort. So where is this coming from? Fast forward to going to law school and in the bar review courses, in the middle of the bar review or the bar exam is a three-day test in California, at least. And on one of the days they have a, they call the multi-state exam where it's all multiple choice. And for purposes of expediency, they tell you, look, If you see in the fact pattern, if you see your options and there are four of them and two of the choices are either the 14th Amendment or the 10th Amendment, you don't even need to read it. Just answer the 14th Amendment because it's always the right answer. Want to pass the bar exam? That's the right answer. If you want to understand the Constitution as ratified and not as decreed by politically connected lawyers in their black government issued robes, that's the problem you're going to have. We are taught that what they say is gospel when it comes to the Constitution, and is historically incorrect.
0: Well, you, you were talking about federal gun control and them looking at you know, trying to control these things over here behind me. Um, have you read the bill that people are talking about? Because I haven't taken the time to read it yet. But some of the stuff I'm hearing, it sounds like it would start the fireworks and a, a third revolutionary war.
2: I, I'm reading this. I have a window open. I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get to that. And I just said, do it. Do it. <laughs> because <laughs> this is what it's going to take. And here, let me share some of this with you. And, okay, this is where they say, oh, how racist is that? But tell me how American this this sounds. The, um, it's called the Sabika Sheik. Firearm Licensing and Registration Act, and this is H.R. 127, I believe Sheila Jackson Lee, that genius, uh, was the one that put forth this. She was a a freed slave, I think she said. So the short title, I already mentioned that. So this is the licensing, and check this out, Licensing of Firearm and Ammunition Possession, Registration of Firearms. The Attorney General through the BF, through BFTE shall establish a system for licensing the possession of firearms or ammunition in the United States and for the registration of each firearm present in the United States. So let's pick that apart a little bit. Each firearm present, that means anything you own, you're going to have a license and registration for it. So now you're going to have to apply. This includes ammunition. Are you going to be able to purchase ammo? What if you don't want to? What what if you just want to buy ammo for a gun you already have? Well, no, you, we can't sell you this because we don't see that you have a license for this gun. This you you can't do this. So let's continue. Um, licensing and registration. Under the firearm registration system, the owner of the firearm shall transmit to the Bureau, mean handover, the make, model, and serial number of the firearm, the identity of the owner of the firearm, the date when it was acquired by the owner, and where the firearm is or will be stored. And notice specifying the identity of any person to whom and any period of time during which the firearm will be loaned to the person, yeah,
0: you I, might I, I not heard know. about that. I heard, but they're they're actually going to try to control how who if you can lend it out and t- make them make you tell them how long someone else is going to have it.
2: Like, <clears throat> Sounds what? like a lot of infringement to me. Give exactly, they're not giving. It, well, it's common sense, common sense. Fire, and this is this is again going back to constitutional carry. We're calling these things rights comes back to bite you the politicians when you love it when you use the term constitutional rights because what do they say then well rights are subject to reasonable regulation well we have to gun violence is a crisis in america we need to have some common sense gun regulations and and solve this so clearly we want to know who's going to be loaned a gun i mean because i could loan somebody a gun and they can go and kill 50 people you just never know right (laughs) so there's no limit to this this is so open-ended what if you're if if, when we're hunting and we have to go over a fence or climb over a tree or go through all sorts of crap to drag an elk down a snowy hill like we just did I had a rifle with me because the two guys were dragging it down and I had to bring a rifle in case there was one that was still alive we had to finish it you get stuck hung up on these things here grab my rifle let me go through there does that count as a (laughs) loan Or, hey, my rifle's sighted in for 600 yards. Let me grab this other one. This deer's only 200 feet away. Boom, shoot the deer. I just borrowed a rifle. Are we mm-hmm. supposed to reach out and call, you know, the ATF ahead of time? Hey, we got this deer, but it's close. Oh, yeah, sure, I'll hold.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> supposed to I do here? I think the point
1: is th- to make it such a pain in the ass that, you know, you'll
2: forgo <laughs> exactly. it. And it's
1: in- incremental little pieces of a pain in the ass so that you know, little by little it seems like it's okay and ever more the snake devours you, or at least is devouring your ability to keep a firearm. And it's not, they don't do it all at once because you would revolt. So they yeah. have to, as Cam said,
2: boil the frog. Right. Yeah. And, and look what they want to know. They want to know where your guns are stored and who keeps mm-hmm. them. There's also a line in here that says this information is publicly available. So now somebody can go in here Find this information and want and find out oh, what kind of guns does this person have and where do they keep them. Yep. What could possibly and, go wrong? A lot of and Denver something that work. Monica
1: Monica Perez um, had said to us is that the per- the people this affects are women um, yeah. who are the majority of the people who need to get a gun fast um, yeah. because of uh, you know domestic violence and other yeah. things like this. And so it actually harms access of women to protect themselves, who's, you know, you know, clearly our bodies are not the same as men's bodies. So guns are a great leveler as far as, uh, you know, women protecting themselves from violence. And that's that's who this uh, this will disproportionately harm them.
2: Yeah, I used to practice criminal defense in California when I was practicing law. And there are a lot of women that had protective orders against abusive spouses, boyfriends, whatever. So you get one of these protective orders issued uh, in your favor, but now you have to wait 10 days to get a firearm. mm -hmm. And And you have to publicly declare where you keep it. and, (laughs) And so then and then also, I think the records, there was one, um, there was one record- reporter who even doxed everybody that had a concealed carry permit in Redwood City and said these are the people with carry permits. This is how anti-gun they are out there. And what's scary is the mentality towards firearms in California we're seeing spreading across you know, the continental landmass. That's why I was just so delighted to see um, the permitless carry signed into law in the state of Utah. It's just one small victory. But ultimately, I think what's going to be handed down if this were to pass, uh, is going to be what it, what it takes to, to get the ball rolling because I, I had seen before you mentioned that they make it so difficult that people just aren't going to bother. And this is what I said before in California, for instance, they, have, um, they had California compliant uh, assault rifles. I hate that term, but that's what they call them. And uh, I always said California compliant when you shoot it, a gay flag pops out and it goes poof. And that's, you know, rainbow <laughs> or whatever. And, and uh, but no, California compliant, if it has more than two of the what they call evil features, like an adjustable stock, a foreign grip, or a muzzle shroud, something like that, then the rifle. So the, 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 um, let's see, what's the word? the cooperative um, thing that they did was they added a, what they call a bullet button. And this was, this was supposed to be the compromise. Okay, it requires, one of these rifles requires an external tool to release the magazine. So you can't just put the button, you know, drop the mag and slam another one in. You have to go and grab something else, put a tool in there and, and then release the magazine, which is absolutely ridiculous if you have um, a malfunction. It puts yourself and anybody else you might be shooting with at more danger. So, but that was the compromise, a bullet button. Fast forward a few years and the bullet button is now the evil feature. Oh, these California, (laughs) these bullet buttons, they make it easy to change a magazine. No, they make it difficult to change one. So anytime you see this kind of, um, you know, cooperation, compromise, they will take that and use it against you. So I had a, a carbine and I was taking class. And, you know, I asked my instructor, Louis Auerbach, well, what about the bullet button? Can I take it out? And he goes, I'm not going to tell you what to do. But if you're going to train, train with the gun, you're going to shoot. So trans- going back good and, nice. Yeah, going back and forth from the class, I didn't change out that bullet button. If I'd been pulled over or in an accident or if it came known that I had that gun with me, state prison for me do not stop go- you know, do not stop i'm done and we're talking a minimum of eight years in state prison for just wanting to have a firearm i was divorced at the time living by myself with my two boys and for having a firearm that i could use in the event of multiple assailants so you know a little pea shooter a little shotgun or something like that love shotguns are great home defense weapons but if you've got three and two or one, um, you know, and then one in the chamber, that's not going to help you a lot with multiple assailants. So these are great firearms, but they really make. And now look at the tax; they're proposing a two hundred dollar tax on every rifle, uh, the called the assault rifle. Every 100- anything over ten rounds, two hundred dollar tax. It's not uncommon for people to have. 10 or more high capacity mags per rifle. So what do they do in California? They make teas so draconian and so severe, people just say, fuck yeah. it, I don't, it's not worth it. Tr- I can't go to prison for the rest, <laughs> thank you. I can't go to prison for the rest of my life. So, okay, honey, fine, 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 I get it. I'll turn it in we don't need the guns, you know, so you can surrender it to the police, sell it out of state, do something like that. And, and, and you know, the long and short of it, it's really none of their business punish the people who actually cause harm with these. And to, mm-hmm. see how, to see how crazy this can get is, there was a case in Canada where they had the firearm storage laws where the firearms are supposed to be, kind of like in DC, what brought about Heller, where they're supposed to be rendered inoperable or inaccessible. And there was a home invasion and this person successfully defended themselves and went to jail because the prosecutor said, well, for them to have not gotten killed, they had to have that gun illegally stored. And this is what we're looking at. Yeah,
0: <laughs> say it. <laughs> <laughs> fuck. fuck? <laughs> I was I was talking to some guy on Twitter yesterday, I think, and uh, or I, I was talking to a smart person, and then this dumb person kind of came in on and Twitter? was saying some. Yeah, shut up. I don't. <laughs> I don't engage unless I'm I'm feeling in the mood to troll someone. But this guy was like, well, you know, what do you uh, register is a good idea. What do you what are you gonna yeah, do right? if, if they if they come to your door? And I was like, well, I'm I'm gonna have to start by telling them that I lost my guns in a tragic go fuck yourself accident. <laughs> but beyond that, like, oh, will you shoot a cop? I'm not above that.
1: <laughs> if he makes me, that's yeah. that's the answer yeah. to that.
2: If if he what, makes me, what it's going to take is those coming for the guns fearing coming for the guns if they know that everybody's just going to say fine you know here you go they're going to do what they're told and they're going to they're going to get their paycheck but if enough people start saying no we're not we're not okay with this um Mm -hmm. that's that's absolutely what it's going to take and law enforcement is going to have to start asking themselves now and I saw, I saw this interesting video. I stumbled across it. It was seven years old. And it was this young gal asking law enforcement, are you going to do what you're told, even if it's not right? Just because it's a law and somebody tells you that. I can see no truer test than what we're seeing now. So all those mm-hmm. that yeah. have the Mullen Labe and the thin blue lines on their truck, let's see what happens. Because here's the thing. When we have these Second Amendment sanctuary cities going along, like in Virginia, when they were talking about these draconian gun laws coming out and the sheriffs and, you know, various jurisdictions, we're a Second Amendment sanctuary. Oh, really? How long have you clowns been cooperating with D.C. and B.F.T. E. Elemental P. How many guns (laughs) taken away from people that you thought weren't the right folks? I have a friend who's a cop that said, hey, you know, we need to, we need, to keep the wrong, we need to keep the wrong people from getting guns. Well, who are you to decide who the wrong person is?
1: Right.
2: To me, the wrong person is, well, the one that just robbed a bank and shot two people. Well, how do you prevent that ahead of time? And that's where it becomes a very, very slippery slope. Rather than penalizing law-abiding citizens for peacefully owning firearms, regardless of how scary you might find them, save the draconian punishments for those that actually do. The crime using using a firearm. If you hurt somebody, if you kill somebody, if you uh, commit an act of robbery using a firearm, we have enhanced penalties for that already in sentencing guidelines. That's where you need to ha- discourage people. But trying to get more guns off the street from the law abiding citizens. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir here. It just makes absolutely no sense. But that is exactly what is coming down the pike with the Biden administration. Joe Biden even said, "I'm I'm happy to do this via executive order." Do it.
0: Do it. Try. (laughs) yeah. I I tweeted that as soon as they start trying to round up guns is how I go from Cam Harless to David Koresh in a second.
2: I think I saw (laughs) him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And things didn't go well for him. But you know what? I don't want to live a life where I can have my door kicked in and my sole means of protecting myself taken away at a politician's whim. And let's put it that way. It is a politician's whim. And law enforcement is going to have to um, very seriously consider. In fact, when I lived in California, there was a guy, um, my boys were in Taekwondo with his kids. And he actually left and moved up to Idaho, but he was in Santa Clara County SWAT. And he said, he told his supervisor, I will not go door to door and get guns. Don't even ask me. And he since quit and he left the state. But he also said, if I ever come to your house, and he gave me law enforcement ammo, who's a super cool guy, but he said, if I ever go to your house, I'm going to be like this, knock, knock, knock. You don't have any guns in your house, do you? (laughs) No, no, sorry, don't. All right, goodbye. And then off he goes, that's what we need. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take jury nullification for anybody that is charged with any kind of firearms violations. Uh, marijuana violations, you know, the jurors are the ones that are going to have to be standing up for us. Law enforcement is going to have to say, you know what, we're just not going to do this. Law enforcement should have been doing this with the COVID lockdowns, but they're the reason so many businesses went out could, because the politicians had their henchmen enforcing these laws. Right. I I, no, they're not laws, co-
1: closures, the mandates. Yeah. There are cops who certainly will resist doing that. Um yes. I know that like certain counties like in Georgia, yeah, certain counties in Georgia where I live, the the entire departments have declared that they will infringe yeah. on gun laws, and that's something that I feel very heartened by. But I know that that's like an island compared to the rest of the country. Um, so I think um, relying on law enforcement to present that bulwark is waiting for a train that doesn't come. Um, yeah. I think far it will far more be be far more likely that sorry I can't talk today that um, you have to make it expensive. For them mm-hmm. to come and take these things, and yes. people do do that. There are there are shows of resistance that have been effective, and um, they're you know small and few and far between. But you know you you start small and you grow tall, and the the acorn has been planted, and the the oak <laughs> the oak of decentralization and uh, individual rights is is rising. In my opinion, I'm very yeah. heartened by some of the the levels of resistance that I do see given the insurmountable odds. And even things like David Koresh, you know, that we all know that name. We all know what happened insofar as we can. And that story is out and the the authorities do not look like the heroes. Like they get roasted every year on Twitter when the anniversary Mm -hmm. comes around. And that does my heart. That's where I feel the hope from.
2: Yeah, I did a show with Jim Bovard. Uh, uh, He had wrote a great article in USA Today about David Koresh and the whole incident and how the FBI lied and all the cover-ups and law enforcement and the government side. And uh, very, very disheartening to know that that can actually happen here. And, you know, I also hope that the law enforcement, that now that Joe Biden is handing down these mandates, uh, also weren't, also were not the ones that would happily collect the bump stock that president Trump said, "Mm -mm, you can't have those. Well, he's Trump and we don't really need a bump stock. No, screw you guys. Right.
0: Are you, and this is going to sound like it's off, off topic, but it's not. So you'll just have to follow me here. (laughs) Who is your favorite person, celebrity or not, that has blocked you on Twitter or Facebook or something like that?
2: Huh? I can't even think of one. I really can't, it'll come to me afterwards, but gosh darn it, yeah, I can't think of one. Hmm.
0: <laughs> How about, yeah, about you, Jessica?
1: I have a, such an exciting answer for this. <laughs> so my answer, my answer is Nick Fuentes. <laughs> and the reason is, first of all, Nick Fuentes blocked me before I even knew who he was. Um, so, you know, let's just get that out of the way. And secondly, you're really not allowed to talk to him. And it makes me want to talk to him so badly, like I want to have him on the show every day, just because you're not allowed to. Like it just makes me want to hear everything he has to say. So good job with the Streisand effect, you guys. You're doing, you're doing the Lord's work. Troll him for you. <laughs> yeah, we can have all kinds of fun with that guy. I just don't like being told what to do. I don't know who he is. Honestly, <laughs> I have no idea who He's he is. Some he's some internet personality. It doesn't matter. It just, he yeah. says things that the, he's uh, yeah, he's a, he's a thought criminal or what have you. So yeah. they point at him and say, Oh, you had this guy on your show one time. Aren't you the villain? Our and I racist. wish, I wish Our Twitter had racist, a, yeah.
2: had a link for this person blocked you. That would be kind of fun, but I, I would check if they did. I don't know. I don't, they I have... don't. Mm-hmm. I think they have. Oh, I know like one. That. I got one. I got one. Right. And, and go, go. <laughs> um, actually, two of them. Now I can remember. I knew it would take me a minute. Corey Buckman or Joe Buckman was his name. He was the head of the Liberty Party out here in Utah. And okay. <laughs> this guy's just a status douchebag. And so I was, Cam, I think you showed up on that one as well. Um, Cam and and Kim, I think Phil Padilla. This was almost like the one with Chris Handel. It was just everybody <laughs> so we were asking about um <clears throat> about national reciprocity and did he understand federalism and he said i am all for ramming this down the states Um, against the states to protect people's rights. Well, federalism is what protects people's rights. And we had a long discussion and he blocked us all. And he also, this is what a shit heel that guy was. He deleted the entire debate because we were historically accurate. He was wrong across the board and he didn't let anybody discern it for themselves. We showed him up and then, um, and he blocked, he blocked everyone. So yeah, that guy, he's no longer the she head is. of the party, but yeah, a little bitch. Exactly. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I asked is I don't know how to say her last name. I don't know if it's Loesch or Lash, but Dana, oh, Dana. Yeah. She, I am blocked by her on Twitter. She's Uh-oh. the spokesperson. Hero. Good for you. <laughs> she, she's the spokesperson for the NRA, which I despise. Yes. When you <laughs> talked about compromise earlier Yes, negotiating rifles
2: away. No rifles in America. NRA.
0: Right. Yeah, my 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 mind went straight to the NRA because they helped draft the Brady Bill. Yes. Like these are people who claim to be gun rights activists and don't and just compromise and give things away and don't protect gun rights. And so it pisses me off. And I'm on Twitter one day, and she said, "I don't. I couldn't tell you what she said, but literally all I said was." Uh, the NRA is milk toast on gun rights. She blocked me.
1: A
2: Little sensitive.
0: Wow, wow.
2: <laughs> you hit I think you hit a nerve. I think that was really that was really I think nice of you, quite honestly. <laughs> no, I'm I bash the NRA all the time because I used to be a member. I was a certified instructor, uh, certified by the NRA, and I would get calls for them wanting money for national reciprocity. I said, well, let me let me ask you this now. So national reciprocity is so great. Um, Who's going to determine the standards? Because this is the the crock of shit we hear in law school. Well, due to inconsistency of state opinions, this case is right for Supreme Court of the United States Review. Inconsistency in state opinions is the heart and soul of federalism. That's the way it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be. But when we ask this, uh, when I said, okay, what's going to happen now? Because every state has their own standards for this. California is nearly impossible. Uh, yeah. Sheriff uh, Comrade Lori Smith wouldn't even issue them instead of Clara County. And I was unfortunately under her jurisdiction. And uh, Utah, guess what? Now we don't even need one. You can still get one. It's a shall issue state. If you are, If you're not a felon, if you're qualified to own a firearm and you apply for a permit, they must issue one. California's up to the jurisdiction of the cop in charge. So- Ugh. So who's going to determine the trend? Well, I debated one one uh, a radio host in Arizona about this, a couple of them actually, because they couldn't stand my take on this. Well, the Supreme Court will figure it out. Wasn't that just great? We're going to have nine lawyers, <laughs> many, I, I, I doubt a single, these clowns and owns a gun, and they're going to say what the rights are going to be for acquiring a concealed carry permit. Well, it's not that they're going to come up with the, the means to, well, yeah, that's exactly what it's going to be, because California is not going to want someone from a, a shall issue state marching in their state. They have reciprocity with zero states, and that's the way they want it. Utah's about 30 or 31, last I checked. So they're not going to want that. So eventually what's going to happen is it's going to work its way up to the judicial temple monkeys in D.C. And they're going to say, you know, I think California's laws are the safest. So now everybody's going to be subject to those. I specifically left California because of the firearm laws. It's like, you know, you guys can have my house, but you ain't getting these guns. So I left, came to Utah. You have a place to go. You have a place that can conform with your values more or less. No place is perfect. Utah is uh, shit when it comes to marijuana laws, although they just divvy out a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of freedom if you're really suffering. Like if you're almost dead with cancer, they'll let you get a butter too. You know, nice. Uh, There are seven of them (laughs) available. seven, Seven dispensaries in Utah for medical marijuana. If you don't have one within 100 miles, yay, you get to learn how to grow it and to cultivate it and do all that. And, you know, there's so many different variations of it. And now your family, your caregivers are, are having enough trouble trying to keep you comfortable and alive. Now they've got to learn how to grow marijuana or drive over a hundred miles each way to do it. So, you know, it's ridiculous, but you know, you, it's hard to find a place that's absolutely, absolutely perfect. You know, the, the best state to me would be the one that has uh, as cool no government let people govern themselves you know any the road of government everything goes to shit it's only a matter of time yeah it's a cycle it has to build up and then it
1: gets torn down usually by hungry angry peasants (laughs) but yeah it does get torn down and then has to rebuild from scratch but
0: well one of the things that i thought was funny is since i'm now in florida i decided when i bought some guns that i needed to to know at least a couple of the laws, even though I don't care that much about them because I'm going to do what I want. Um, But I was reading in in an app that you can look at the different state laws, and I looked at California's, and I saw where they had canceled reciprocity with the rest of the country, essentially. And then I looked at Florida's, and I'll have to check to make sure this is right, but it looked like two days later, Florida canceled reciprocity California. They were like, oh, well, you're not gonna let me do that. Well, fuck you. Yeah. (laughs) And I love that attitude. (laughs)
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's what I really like about permitless carry too, because I've always said that, you know, getting to carry permit, yeah, does it have its benefits? Absolutely, it does. But it's also again a form of de facto gun registration, particularly now since all of these background checks go to the DOJ in Washington, DC. So of course, do you think there, do you think any, does anybody think they're going to throw out that information? Okay. They're clear in the shredder. This one goes, no, we're keeping this information
0: so mm-hmm.
2: this is this is what I find scary. I mean, I was at a gun shop when I lived in California, and they had some goon from you know the a t f out there just going through all the books and all the books and It wouldn't surprise me at all if he was keeping those names because the d r o s the dealer's record of sale is only supposed to be kept for seven years. But when these guys right. go in there and go through the records, don't you think they're making a note of who's purchased the firearms i think I think they are
0: yep well and that and that that's why I was looking into things because. I went to buy a gun and uh, they were like, Oh, do you have a concealed carry permit? And I was like, no, because I don't like, I, I I don't like paying for things that are my natural rights. Like it just, it, it gets to me. And I was like, no, I don't. And um, they were like, okay, well then if you don't have that, then there's a three day waiting period before you can pick up your gun. And I was like, I was so mad. because I'm like, I'm from Alabama. They don't have, I don't, they don't have the best gun laws in the country, but you can open carry, Mm -hmm. which, you know, honestly, I never thought I would care about it. But once someone told Mm -hmm. me I couldn't, I was like, okay, I want to now. Yeah. Like (laughs) so much, but you know, in Alabama, they do the background check, but you take the gun home with you that day. Right. You're there for 20, 30 minutes and you're gone. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I can't believe I have to go home. And it's not, they say it's a three-day waiting period, but it's not. It's really a four-day waiting period. Yes. Because they don't count the day that you go into the store. They count the next three days as three days. Yeah. And I'm like, you guys (laughs) can kill yourselves. I don't
2: (laughs) I was I I was in California watching a guy waiting. He had to wait like three more minutes before they could legally release his purchased firearm. To him, nope, we have to wait three more minutes before you. He's like, you got freaking kidding me. And uh, yeah, and as far as open carry is concerned, that was, uh, you could do that out here without a permit as long as you don't have a round in the chamber. Um, so I was open carrying for a while here. And then I just finally said, you know what, screw this. I'm going to conceal anyway. I did it in California. I'm not going to not do it just because I'm in Utah. So the law takes effect uh, May 5th out here. I believe. So it's, it's it's like I said, it's a step in the right direction, but talk about a step in the wrong direction. Let me continue. We started, I started sharing some of this with you about this law. So the required information, okay, we did that. So here we go. General license. Um, let's see that the attorney general shall make the, con- okay. The attorney general shall make, so, uh, I'm sorry, maintain a database of all the firearms registered pursuant to the subsection The attorney general shall make the contents of the database accessible to all members of the public. I mentioned this earlier. All federal, state, and local law enforcement authority. All branches of the United States Armed Forces and state and local governments as defined by the Bureau. And then to get your license. Oh, here we go psychological evaluation. How about yeah. we have some psychological evaluations for Congress? Anybody wanting to run for office has to go through a psych eval.
1: At the very least. And at least So with drug if I want to go too. and buy
2: a box of ammo and this passes, do I have to get a psych eval? This is well, what, and then it. anybody in the public can go and research and get the information. Hey, that chick there. Hey, that chick, she's pretty hot. I want to, let's go find her. But before we do that, let's see if she has any guns in the house. And you mentioned guns, or you mentioned women earlier. This is very dangerous for women. Yeah, go ahead. Cooling
1: off period. You mentioned cooling off periods too. That's that's yeah. the majority of people who are hurt by those are women mm-hmm. who immediately need protection. You can't wait four days when your crazy yeah. ex boyfriend is stalking you. It's just not, you know.
2: And and this law would prohibit it would preclude these women from having a friend loan them a firearm. Right,
1: right. So it's it's incredibly sexist and um, also uh, disproportionately hurts poor women who can't afford these. Mm-hmm. fines and fees and and turnaround periods and all the hoops that they make you jump through like yeah. okay so only people who have means then have the ability to you know yeah just, and you have
2: to take a turn class all the way
1: down the classes
2: yeah. are expensive and yeah. you know any kind of training you have to pay again for your permits annually this this step mm-hmm. adds up people are suffering and then, right f- now
1: mm-hmm. in florida they made it if you get medical marijuana you can't legally own a firearm if I understand
2: that correctly? Yeah, I actually wrote an article about that. It's called The States Have to Step Up and Protect Protect Medical Marijuana Users. In fact, any marijuana user, it's the uh, ATF Form 4473. So when you go in, you fill this out, there's a question that says, uh, do you use any illegal drugs, blah, blah, blah. And then it says in bold, if you live in a state where marijuana is legal, medical or otherwise you must answer yes, and you may not have a firearm. So Utah or any other, Utah, you can have medical marijuana. And in any of the, I think it's 36 states now that it's legal, people in 36 states, <laughs> Washington, D.C., who use marijuana, medical or recreational, are no longer allowed to own a firearm or ammo nor can you transfer it so let's say when i was in california last time um my mom was suffering from severe parkinson's advanced parkinson's i was trying to get some um then i was trying to get some you know edibles or something for her and by virtue of getting that we also had a caregiver whose mother had stomach cancer so we wanted to get them some relief by virtue of transporting Something, a substance that is legal in the state of California for people that are suffering. Yeah. Ostensibly, I could be a member of a prohibited class for the rest of my life if I had done such a thing. But I, you know, clearly I wouldn't, you know, do something. Like that.
0: Well, I mean, they <laughs> they shot Duncan Limp because he was apparently a prohibited person. Mm-hmm. And But that's that, that was my question is, you know, that people are talking about how about the psych part of it, which could mean if you have depression And you're Mm -hmm. on drugs if you have, I mean, even a touch of depression, if you have light depression, but it makes me ask the question, of course, you know, I don't trust anything the government does, but how does, is mental health, not healthcare? Would this stuff not be covered by HIPAA? Or is there something in HIPAA that, that says, oh, except for, except for your brain?
2: (laughs) You're right. Or, or if you have a virus. Well, what's really interesting, too, when you talk about this, because I've done a couple shows on, I don't know if you've ever been sent, the American Community Survey. It comes out from mm-hmm. the United States uh, Census Bureau. And mm-hmm. essentially what they're asking you, it's, look it up. You can do a query, American Community Survey, and it will pop right up. It's a PDF form, and you can read all these questions they're asking. They ask you everything. They don't mention guns, and they don't have to, because some of the questions they have in here will trigger, pardon the, you know, for lack of a better word, will trigger a query on firearms. They ask how you're sleeping. If you have difficulty sleeping, do you have problems dressing yourself? Are you ill? Do you have stairs? Can you get up and down? They're asking all these questions about your your health, your emotional well-being. They want to know if you have had anybody at your house for more than two nights. So if somebody comes up for a long weekend, they want to know that. They want to know who that is. They want to know if you sell any vegetables. They want to know how many toilets you have, how many sinks you have, how many bedrooms you have. Oh, by the way, how do you heat your home? Do you have a wood stove? I, saw, I see what you're doing here. So they want <laughs> California. You can't burn wood if you have a furnace. Now Summit County, the county seat here is practically California, Park City. And uh, what Park City now, I just saw an ad in Farcebook is saying, oh, wood stove burner? Let us let us give you some incentives. Let us help you change over to a better, cleaner method for cleaner air quality. Well, if you're stupid enough to answer this American community survey, they're going to know they're going to know who has the wood stove and where they are, because you're giving them your name, your address, how much wood you have, where the you know, and you've given it all to them and they can come and take it. And uh, we were doing our show today, and my, my co-host and producer, Jeff Johnson, was saying, yeah, they, they went back to propane. They were using a furnace with wood pellets, and wood pellets are too expensive now, so they're not using them anymore. Mm-hmm. So right now they're incentivizing, then they'll ask nice, and then they're going to come and take that too as well. And we've seen what's I've happened. Been so, saying, mm-hmm.
1: I've been saying over and over again, it is long past time to stop telling people what you have. see a lot of people on the Internet, Instagram, posting their their food storage, their firearm stores, how much of this they have, how much of that. You guys have got to quit telling on yourselves and not just in case of um, authorities. You know, you don't need your neighbors. (laughs) Everybody who tells you, oh, I'm going to come stay with you when the shit hits the fan. They know you've got stuff. Y'all need to quit telling people what you have.
2: There's a it's way to educate people about the need to be prepared without being one of those idiots on Doomsday Prepper. Oh yeah, here are my guns. Here's all the food. Oh, check yep. out this pipe bomb I made. There literally was a guy <laughs> showing how he made pipe bombs, and you know he had a visit the next day. So you know, and the other thing too, talking about mental health. You know, we're talking about the the stoves and and this this um. I wrote an article about the the tie between bringing this together, linking together COVID and red flag laws. When I saw an article saying people that have COVID are deemed to have, they can possibly have long-term mental health effects. What does that trigger? Red flag laws. So if you're stupid enough to go out and get a COVID test and you get a false positive or regular positive or you have it and you're in that record, there you go. It's very easy to connect all these things. So the American Community Survey, the COVID testing, and the red flag laws, the mental health, are bringing this all together. The noose is tightening. You know, I, I like to share this story when I was out driving on Interstate 80. There's a place out here in Wyoming called uh, Medicine Bow National Forest. And it's just absolutely beautiful. And I was just watching the cattle out there grazing. I was driving down Interstate 80. And it's like, wow, well, you know, these cattle are a lot like us. They're in this beautiful area. They're just going about their lives, just eating grass, hanging out, doing their thing, and you know. So, what's that little? Oh, a fence. That's eh, no big deal, and they'll just turn directions and go their own way. So one day the truck shows up, and then it's well, too I late. Think,
0: I think that one of the things, like what what Jessica talked about before, is there is a a there's a very good um little stream, little creek running through American thought right now. Did you notice how quickly people went from thin blue line to fuck the cops? Oh, yeah. Like that, seeing those people, like I, I, there was a video on on Twitter of a person who had their, they were at a protest, a lockdown protest, and they went from holding a thin blue line flag to pulling the flag off and stepping on it and offering to let other people step on it.
2: Yeah. And the sides changed, by the way. So now the left who hated the cops are liking them. So
0: I was about to say that
2: the the flip happened on the other side too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. But
0: but the good thing is the ones who are now saying fuck the police are the ones with the guns. This is true. So, Uh I mean, regardless of how this goes, it's a very positive and hopeful thing to see these people who would back – those black boots over they they said I will never not support the police stepping on black lives matter flags or not black lives blue lives matter flags blue, blue lives matter <laughs> but I mean it's it's good to see it's yeah. good to see that there are some there's some things that can jar people awake I can't believe it took almost a year of lockdowns a year of government tyranny for them to do that but just imagine what happens if this gun law passes
2: oh yeah yeah it's gonna be i mean here let me see what else what other little gems are in here um you have to successfully complete a training course certified by the attorney general you think there's going to be a little payback and and corruption going on there uh, and the use safety and storage of firearms again they're going to they're literally coming into your homes to determine where you're going to keep your firearm What if you want it on your nightstand? What if you want one under your bed? What if you want one by your door? Um, Apparently, that's not going to be acceptable. Antique firearm display license. The attorney general shall issue to an individual a license to display an antique firearm in the residence of the individual if the individual is the holder of the license issued, supplies proof that the individual owns antique... How many people have... An antique firearm that maybe that has been in the family for 50, 60 years, passed through for generations. Yeah. You know, how do you provide proof from that? You can't. No. It's just an object. Yeah. <laughs> it's, my dad my dad got us a gun. It's a, it's a pump action 22 rifle that he said, I bought it when I was 14 years old in San Francisco and I rode home on my bicycle carrying that rifle. Could you imagine that happening today? you know, how times have changed. And how would we, how would anybody prove ownership of that firearm? And does that have to be registered? I mean, it's just, it's, it's insane. And then, you know, is there going to be an application fee for each of one of these? So we're forced with people are going to have to decide, well, I can't afford all these licenses. I can't afford Mm -hmm. all these applications. I'm going to have to surrender them. Most people, I predict that we're going to see the level of noncompliance like we saw in the state of New York after the SAFE Act. I mean, I think less than 1% complied, and that's exactly what I see here. So, um, And that's why I'm also very pleased about um, permitless carry in the state of Utah as well, because it's very easy now, if you think about it also, with facial recognition, whether or not you wear a mask there are other ways they can identify you uh, by the gait, how you walk, other uh, aspects, you know, of your physique. And then you have a gun on your hip. Oh, mark that one down. I mean, you know, maybe uh, I'm just kind of weird, but I just tie all this together. Every bit of it has significance. Um, There's a Walmart in, in Stansbury in Tooele County out here in Utah. And if you look mm-hmm. at the they have these flat screens hanging, and I've seen this in several where you're on camera and they have now a yellow circle around you or a square, a rectangle yeah. all around you. And you know there's something getting all the angles, all the images, so they can identify you very easily.
1: Your ears are as unique to you as your fingerprint is. So they need not have your face at all. They can have your ears. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That there was a woman who was claiming to be the um, lost Princess Anastasia of the um, uh, Romanov fame. And they were able to prove that she wasn't because, of course, they didn't have like DNA technology back then. But um, by the shape of her ears, because ears are unique to each person. Glad I have long hair. Just
0: just something. We're all safe (laughs) here.
1: Yeah. If, if you're out doing, you know, anarchist stuff with your friends, just, you know, you know we, we've been, down.
2: we've been, he- we've been hearing a lot of stuff about China as well. And the China, inf- China is <laughs> peddling, um, with regards to purchasing infrastructure, um, and providing infrastructure in exchange for political influence or barbing these pol- uh, corrupt politicians. I believe it was in, um, I forgot, it was one of the countries in Africa. I don't want to get it wrong, so I'll just say it was one of those. But they were forcing these locals to adopt Chinese law. Do you remember mm-hmm. a while back, there was an article out that said, China's very concerned about gun ownership in America.
0: What? T- yeah, no, yeah.
2: Do you yeah. think China might have, with some corrupt politicians...
0: And North in, Korea joined them in saying that.
2: ...in formulating oh, okay. gun laws, right? Because a foreign entity... Um, fake privacy ears I love it because a foreign entity thinks that so and that's what I was thinking too with China right now there's a really good front line has a couple really good shows on that as well showing with the social credits and the recognition the facial recognition but not only that again all the other anatomical um, features that these these systems take into effect and then you know Add that to everything else already in place. Um, Hunting license, concealed carry permits, classes that you've taken. Have you purchased a firearm? Any kind of these things that you've purchased online or gone to a store and used a credit card. Tracking with your phone. Oh, hey, look, this person's been going to such and such gun store. It's all there. The only thing we have going for us right now is there are so many more of us than there are of them. But if there's somebody specifically that they want to target, it's over. You're done.
0: Also, here's the white pill I didn't think of for some reason um, 3D printed firearms. Right now, that is the forefront of the, if you want to call it the battle for the Second Amendment, um, that is what's doing it. That's those control pew, uh, defense distributed. These people are the ones who are on the front line saying, making the Second Amendment arguments, every single one of them, pro and con, obsolete because there are people and they're even printing um ammo now. These people have learned how to 3D print ammo. That is
2: crazy. I didn't know that. I've heard about trying to lo- I've heard about loading it yourself, you know, I've got a lot of friends that do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. And and but that's that's the thing. One of the one of the things I've said and I've heard other people say as well, so it's not wholly original to me, but you know, one guy when I worked at a technology company, he was an anarchist. And he said, you know, government was a form of technology and it's a technology that is now becoming obsolete because of mm. what we call technology. And that I think that there are a lot of different white pills. There are a lot of different ways people are waking up there. are, You know, people are hearing the story about David Koresh, Ruby Ridge. Like there are a lot of different or uh, Philando Castile, Duncan Limp, Daniel Shaver, like all of these people, all these stories are, are being Heard by people, and that's waking them up. There's three D printed firearms. They're th- uh, milling machines where you can print your own eighty percent lower. Like, yeah, I mean, there was one in th-
2: California.
0: Yeah, I may, I all-
2: may know about.
0: <laughs> but this is how hey, we beat them. Not. Is yeah. is going? You know what? You've made me ask permission for long enough. I'm no longer asking permission. I'm going yeah. to prep. By starting to make my own things. Yeah, I can I can plant trees or bell peppers, but I'm also going to plant freedom seeds in the backyard and put them in and put them in my boomstick like that. That is the white pill from this, because they can't beat us when we can make our own.
2: Yeah. And I think that's the way to go for those that haven't gotten uh, 10 years ago. I told everybody, get whatever you think you're going to need. Get more than you think you're going to need and get enough ammo to last a lifetime because and, uh, and the lifetime of your progeny because there will come a day when it's no longer available yeah. or be available without any kind of tracking whatsoever. So some people are in the envious position of never having to purchase ammo again. And if you get to the point where we're going to use all that, they're going to kill you anyway. <laughs> but, you know, at least you're not going to uh, just go down like a lamb and, and yeah. just wait. For what they have coming
0: yep well I, one thing i wanted to mention um is on twitter today i saw i saw someone tweet the words rest in piss and that's literally the first time i've ever seen this in my entire life and it was aimed wow. at um rush limbaugh who and there's a surprise huh
2: yeah i've heard some pretty nasty things going up about him
0: oh man they're going yeah. wild um yeah. And you know I un- I I understand hating someone. I mean they say they're celebrating but a lot of that comes out of I mean there's when it comes to someone dying usually it's either relief or just anger that's coming out. Um I mean I was very relieved when John McCain died. But I did want to mention his death because even though I never listened to him, even though I don't listen to right-wing talk radio. Um if it weren't for Rush Limbaugh, I wouldn't be doing this show right now. You wouldn't have done your show. Tom Woods would never have been on um, Peter Schiff's show. Like all of what we do in order to try to get out to people and say, "Hey, things can be different. Things can be better. We can fight them. H- hate him or love him. Talk about him being a warmonger monger or not." Rush Limbaugh paved the way for this to happen, and so yeah, absolutely, in that, I agree. In that. Rest in peace, and fuck those who said rest in piss. Yeah, just pretty. wanted to get that off my chest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> F in, F's in the chat, rush. F in the chat.
0: <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I was I was wondering because that's one of those things that I I heard he died, and it's one of those things that when I heard it, it didn't mean that much to me. But then the backlash, or not the backlash, the the joy and the. You know, like I I do memes when people die. the exuberance I mean, of humor. the
2: tolerant left,
0: right. It, but it, dancing. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like he didn't even kill anyone though he wasn't John McCain, right? Like he didn't vote <laughs> for the Iraq War, like he didn't actually put his put you know something he just behind murdering people.
2: He just talked about it. You know, um, I I'm I have I I do mention him on my show, and I said you know if you want to sit here and talk about Republicans versus Democrats and feel like you've done your bit to save America or take America back, go listen to rush because my show isn't for you. We don't play, we don't play that uh, politics, but that being said, I certainly uh, was sad to hear about his diagnosis and don't wish that on anybody. So yeah, I I do hope he rests in peace. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, Let me ask you something because I have an announcement to make. I've already made it on Twitter, but I want to make it on the show as well. Um, Suzanne, do you know what a Hotep is? Mm, no. So I don't either, and so okay, good. You know, I don't
2: feel so stupid.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I, and I, I'll, I'll share the video I made for it. But um, I couldn't figure out what it was. I mean, the word Hotep means peace, and there are all these different. It, it's a, it's a, essentially a black power movement, and it's but. All mo- almost every video that I've seen on it, or someone talking about it, has all been very. It's been very. It's all hate, but past that, it's always those people that you can't trust. So it's like the one of the wo- women that I I heard talk about it said something like, "Well, um, you can't be a feminist without being an uh, an intersect inter- intersectionalist."
1: Intersection, intersectional feminism, yeah. Right. If your if feminism you is not intersectional, it's bullshit. Is there right. motto a for all this crap? I tell
2: you.
0: <laughs> right. And, and so, and she said, it's I just agree. like that. If you're for black power, you can't be a hotup. And so I want to know the answer to this question. I've not good, gotten a good answer. And so I set up a, an episode, um, of my show to ask a hotup what it is and, uh, He's the coolest one out there, and every Hotep on Twitter I've ever interacted with has been cool and has been sure. funny and nice to people who aren't their enemies, which just describes me. Like, I'm not nice to my enemies. Uh, but I have a video to show. But, uh, yeah, I wanted to to announce that real quick. So here's here's that. What is a Hotep? I know I have. When you go on YouTube to find out, you find a lot of people with chips on their shoulders answering that question for you. They're bigots, they're homophobes, they hate women. But the guys you've interacted with have been cool. Actually, they've been beyond cool. Clearly, they got something wrong. To cap off Black History Month, we decided to explore that question and others with the baddest hotep of them all, Hotep Jesus. Join us as we peel back the layers of propaganda and shoot the shit with one of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet. So, Suzanne, if you want to figure I'm, out what a hotep is. I'm tuning in. <laughs> February 28th, 5 p.m., we will be live again. Um, Outstanding. Yeah, I've, I've been asking this question for a while because uh, I forget what it was. I think it was around the George Floyd stuff that happened. I was talking to my friend uh, Thaddeus Preston, who is a black man, and he seems very plugged into the, that culture and understanding different things. So I asked him, you know, what is a hotep? And he really couldn't answer it. And so since at that point, mm-hmm. I've been like, I need to find out. And I think mm-hmm. the best way to find out is going to the and hearing it from the horse's mouth. So that's Good what source. we're going to do. <laughs>
2: I will um, be listening.
0: So let me ask you, this is a question that I now ask at. The end of every episode, because this show is about planting seeds of hope. It's about planting seeds of liberty, freedom of what the normies would call madness. Um, what do you th- do you know the, the concept of white pills?
2: I, I've I just been hearing you're talking about it here. Why don't you go ahead?
0: Uh, well, to to do you know, the the red pill and the blue pill from The Matrix? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the white pill is an additional one, which is just the, the concept not of that we absolutely will win this, but that we can. It's the idea that there's hope. And even mm-hmm. if it's the smallest modicum, 10%, 5% of hope, then that is what a white pill is. And we should be microdosing those because that hope is what keeps us going. It's what pushes us towards betterment. So my question to you is, is for our audience, who do you think or what do you think is something that is worth hoping for right now in our country or even personally? Because a lot of people, when I ask that, they think, oh, he means politically. What's the hope politically? But a lot of my white pills are my children. So independent of what you think I'm asking, what is something you think that gives you hope or that you think people can also hope in.
2: Well, it's really interesting because I have actually since this even before the whole covid thing started as I've become more disenchanted with, you know, the political spectrum and anything good coming out of that. I've actually been living mm-hmm. my life in what you described, the white pill fashion. So, mm-hmm. So many people, I mean, when we, we Republicans lost the house, I'm saying that because that was that person, that person's point of view, we lost the house. What are we going to do? I said, well, my life isn't changing a bit. (laughs) I'm going to go out and enjoy my day. I left California. I was in a beautiful area, but for a remote mountain place in, in Utah, almost near Evanston, Wyoming, where happiness is all around me. I'm Hmm. in a beautiful area. I can go out and enjoy nature. I have amazing friends. I've built a beautiful community out here. And when everything else goes to crap, um, we've got our gatherings. We get together and we bang drums on my lawn and have a (laughs) fire all night long and have our gatherings and teach each other skills and spend time with my family. And if you let politics and politicians, most especially, take that away from you, then you've already lost. Yes. This You're
0: victorious.
2: You're victorious. Yes. in having productive, enlightening engagements with your friends and in your community and meeting people in your community. I go out without a face mask and I smile at those who stare <laughs> and, yeah. and enjoy just talking to people. And so as disheartening as the big picture can be, like when I mentioned that ridiculous H.R. 127, I'm not going to let it keep me up at night.
0: Absolutely. If not. they're going to
2: do it, they're going to do it and they will respond accordingly. So I also try to find ways that will make me be more resilient going back to where we started with the show with whatever nonsense they're coming up with. Is it going to be hard to go get food? Or, you know, maybe with social credits, maybe if I don't get a vaccine, businesses will, we had a, there's a mayor or a city manager out in a city called Kaysville, south of Salt Lake City, who is encouraging, he wants people to discriminate against anybody that doesn't get the COVID vaccine. Discriminate is the word he used. So, able to purchase food. I might not be able to purchase gasoline. If it's hard to purchase food, well, guess what? I've got, you know, I can get my own here, I can forage. Uh, I'm making up a huge supply. I mean, right now I've got elk stock simmering. Um, I just canned, <laughs> pressure canned a bunch of it. Have another batch going right now. We'll be doing that tomorrow. So I learned to hunt. That's why I grow a lot of my own food. I have chickens um, for their eggs. And you know I'm going to just be resilient. just falling in love. I, I want to be, be you. Oh, come <laughs> out. Not in so... a weird black swan way. I just want to be like you. <laughs> I I just decided I want to live my life. You know, I I, when I first was given a deer by one of my neighbors, his brother had shot it and he just wanted, you know, it for the antlers. I um, literally, I said, I don't know what to do with this thing. Okay, I'm going to pretend I'm a frontier woman and my husband dropped this off and now he's out doing something, plowing the fields or something. It's up to me. I can't get online. I can't call somebody. It's me. And so I just taught myself. How to do this stuff. So, when I, every time I get an elk or a deer, I do it all on my own. I process it myself. I just finished that up. I have a big sawzall that I cut the bones and make stock with them, you know, the big pieces of bones and all that. And I do it, I do it all myself because if the supply chain goes, and we've seen what's happened in Texas, people, the stores are empty, lines a mile long, if you can get anything. Who wants to have to be burdened with that? So I just decided to have a life where I can combine the best of everything. Yes. Kurt says community really does matter. It absolutely does. I was saying on my show this morning, the other night I had a pet with a severe medical emergency. The animals all of a sudden fine. And then in grave condition, I'm losing my mind. And I was able to pick up the phone and call a friend knowing that it's late. They're in bed, but they answered on the second ring. Hey, Suzanne, what's up? And they helped me. And That's community. They might not be right there with you, but they can get there soon. And uh, I I have to say, I've got a great community, a great set of skills with what I've learned here with preparedness. And I saw this coming a long time ago Uh, when Hunger Games came out. I said, that's going to be a documentary someday. And lo and behold, last year, somebody actually wrote an article showing five points how Hunger Games has become a reality. And, Mm -hmm. you know, So look at the people that the government is targeting, the uh, people with the skills, the survival skills, constitutionalists, they say veterans. Um, Those are the people essentially that were targeted in the Hunger Games as well, the people that could go out and survive in the woods. And, um, you know, this is this is what they said to look out for potential domestic terrorists with um, who was it? Uh, Janet Napolitano. When Obama first put her up there, she goes, okay, these are the people that can be uh, potential domestic terrorists. We're going to have sporting goods stores, let people know, let the government know if somebody's buying too many supplies or ammo or something like that. If you see something, say something. That's not targeted towards the Antifa-type crowd. That's targeted towards the people that just want to be left alone and leave other people alone. But that's not good enough either. V for vendetta, yes, yep. Mm (laughs)
0: Well, one thing I was that made me think of *V for Vendetta* mm-hmm. is how many leftists did you hear since that movie came out say uh, people shouldn't be afraid of their governments; governments should be afraid of their people. And then you see that weak ass insurrection at the white <sighs> at the the Capitol, and they're like, "Oh, you how dare you go after the government? They shouldn't have to be afraid.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They should be afraid. <laughs> they should."
1: Yeah, that's what Every this country day. was founded on. Yep. Is make, mm, I'm going to keep my confidence. <laughs> keep that close for
0: the best. But no, and, and that's, that's, that's the thing. Community is important. Um, and, you know, you can call it agorism. You can quote Harry Brown. But the people who come to you and say that we're doomed or that there's no hope, they may think that they're telling you the truth. But what they're telling you is that they're hoping in all of the wrong things.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Period. Why are you putting are... Your, your hope and your happiness in somebody that doesn't give that shit about you? They really don't. The Republican Party doesn't care about you. The Democrat Party doesn't care about you. History is rife with government experimenting, slaughtering its people. I just came across. I'm mean, gonna actually watch this movie. It was about um, how the government, I think, in their early 20s back then, was experimenting on radiation against African Americans. Yeah. Then we had mm-hmm. the Tuskegee experiments. And all of a sudden, COVID, hey, black people, you first. And they're probably going, oh, hell no. (laughs) They've had
1: uh, Run DMC make a a pandering rap video to say, hey, it's so bad. It's like, hey, black people, come get a vaccine from the government. I was uh, like, okay, but maybe maybe Google Tuskegee experiment before you do.
0: Right.
2: Right. Or this oh, one. And I have to find. Let me see if I can find the mo- the link for this movie here. I think it's in my other browser. Um, if I can find that, I'm going to send you this this uh, movie. It's a full length movie, and uh, it was really scary what they did to this young man. And they just irradiated the back of his head, and it was just exposed for the rest of his life. He kept a um, uh, um, a hat on the whole time. When I find it, I will make sure you have that. But it was horrific, and I'd never heard about that until just recently. Let's and see. Have
0: you ever That's heard of not Operation even... Sunshine.
2: Um, let me see. I'm looking. I don't think it was Op- that
0: one. Well, no, Operation Sunshine is was one of the ones that I was looking into for possibly doing a Red Pill of the Week on. Um, okay. Apparently, if if I'm remembering correctly, they like stole dead baby parts and exposed them to radiation to test how it affected human bodies. So, I mean, that Tuskegee, um, you know, they're they're not above stealing human bodies. No, not at all. Yeah, they want to do.
1: It's mild for them, to be honest.
0: (laughs) It's still just disturbing to hear. (laughs) Forward. do you want to also I, I,
2: let people know when it comes to preparedness, too, to check out my book, The Lost Frontier Handbook. When I mentioned the uh, frontier lifestyle, mm-hmm. the pioneer woman, this book is really modeled after what was going through my head at the time. And it was a lot of fun working on this project. And I just added a chapter on chickens for the physical book that's going to be out in March. Oh, and good. I'm sorry. What was the title one more time? The Lost Frontier Handbook. And it's thelostfrontierhandbook.com. And they have a bunch of videos of me promoting it, which are really embarrassing, <laughs> You got to do my hate muscle on video. <laughs> oh, thank well, you. The
0: frontiersmen brought us um, rye and bourbon, so I'll always be grateful for them.
2: Oh, and there's some <laughs> there's some information on that as well. So fun stuff.
0: Hey, that's that's speaking my language. <laughs> uh, w- with that, I, I we've gone past the time that you said you wanted to to do this for because it must have been such a great conversation.
2: It always. Is. <laughs> I love your.
0: She's a lovely (laughs) (laughs) chest. But if you want to find Suzanne on Twitter, just type in cowgirl ESQ, cowgirl Esquire. Mm -hmm. If you'd like to find her website and see all the things that she's doing, all the things that she's writing, you can go to Suzanne C Sherman.com. You can check out her show, the Wasatch Report or the Red Hot Chili Prepper. And this new book, the Lost Frontier Handbook which we will have links to all of this in our show description. Um, And with, uh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, share with the people before we cut this off?
2: Have me back again. This is so much fun.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I like to do everyone's stuff. So if you want to find Jessica, I named her soup can. So if (laughs) you want to find her on Twitter, go to soup (laughs) Canarchist. If you want to see her wonderful, beautiful, great watercolor paintings you can go to sovereign cookies art on instagram Ooh, and see all of them you're not that you can good see the evolution of an artist and it was all inspired by bojack horseman
1: <laughs> thanks dude <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been, I, it's a covid hobby i started in october and mm-hmm. uh you know it's uh it's been a lot of fun and i am progressing but um don't go to my instagram expecting anything um too crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, and if you want to find me, just type in my name at Cam Harless on Twitter. You can check out all of the other shows that Ryan and I produce on MLGA Network.com. You can, oh, where else? You can go to We Are The Mad Ones if you would, We Are The Mad Ones.com if you'd prefer to listen to the show. You can join our little locals community um, at We, no, The Mad Mm-hmm. which is the Facebook alternative slash. It's like if Facebook and Patreon had a baby, that's what, that's what the locals is. And you should check that out. I think that's all I have to say about where to find me. Am I missing anything, Jessica? Mm-mm. I'm um, on, also,
2: I'm, Oh, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, watch out for that Hotep Jesus episode. It's going to be fun. Yes. That's I'm looking
2: forward to that. And we're doing a live show Friday at 11 Eastern. We live stream on uh, Facebook and that's Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. We have a lot of fun. All right, it was lovely well, to meet you, Susan. Yes, you as well, Jessica. Look forward to talking to you more and and chatting with you on Twitter as well. For Suzanne sure.
0: knew me before I was a libertarian or an anarchist.
2: Wow, was yeah. that but in not- the um, Academy of the Study of Liberty on that group yes, that ma- we were in on Facebook? Yeah.
0: Yes, ma'am. Gosh,
2: that was a while ago. Yeah.
0: Yep, o- olden days before I was flying a, bl- a black flag. Um, with that, thank you for coming on. I always appreciate talking to you. And yeah, we we got to do it again. Last, I was thinking how soon is too soon to have people back on? But since I'm scheduling like a month and a half out, I don't think I have to worry about that anymore.
2: No, you let me know. <laughs> hey, your listeners might not want me back. Don't have that crazy broad out there again. You, so you never know. <laughs> See what they have to say. All
0: right. Guys, <clears throat> All right so with that, dear audience, You beautiful, beautiful bastards. As always, live the life you want to live how you want to live it.